Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Oh, week six is here. Time for another edition of the Helipod with MJD. As always, we have great sponsors on the podcast presented this week by Vaco. Are you ready for an all new career adventure? Vaco is how organizations get the kind of talent solutions they really need, whether it's bringing in a team to solve specific business issues or finding their next team member. Only Vaco brings a head start, a new perspective, and a real commitment. And now they're looking for you to join their team. If you are either an experienced accounting and finance professional or a skilled techie in search of a new career opportunity, Vaco wants to hear from you. With a national and global presence and a culture built on freedom and autonomy, it's no surprise that Vaco has been named one of Inc. Magazine's fastest growing private companies for the past 15 years in a row, started by my good buddy Brian Waller and his friends several years ago. That's 15 years ago. What are you waiting for? Professional adventure awaits. Apply today. Get that next great job you've been looking for at Vaco.com slash helipod, all lower case. And with no further ado, let's get started on the helipod with MJD. All right, here we go, MJD. You have been gallivanting all around Europe, coming to us live from the great city of London, England. Dude, I've been communicating with you a little bit over the last few days. I've been following your Instagram stories. You flew to a soccer game, what, yesterday, the day before? Oh, I didn't know. I didn't fly. I, I uh, took the train. Took the train. Oh, that was a train? Yeah, it was a train. Yeah, I, I've been in London the whole time. I didn't go anywhere. Uh, because of COVID and then the rules of the UK, you have to uh, do a fill out a bunch of paperwork, take multiple COVID tests. And I was like, look, I'll just hang out, chill in uh, the greater London area and see what London's all about. And I've had a great time to this point. All right. So not only who, what was the soccer? It was at Wembley. So I should have known it was that. At Wembley, yeah, it was, it was uh, England uh, versus Hungary. Okay. First of all, you look to be sitting in, in the nosebleeds. You I was are- in sleep. Oh, you're in a suite. You were high yeah. up. Yeah, I couldn't be down there with all the people. Why not? Because they, they're insane. They were you lighting off. Raff? Oh, my God. They were lighting off. I've never seen so much passion and, and energy in my life. Hungry, they have to bear. They barricaded Hungry in a small section. Okay. Right. England had everything else. 
Hungary had a small section barricade and they were going at back and forth with the, the English. It was crazy. Like they're about to fight each other. And they're they chanting they were, the whole game. They were lighting off like smoke bombs and chanting the whole game. And the guy next to me was screaming. And yeah, I was just like, yo, this is bananas. So did you but stay the entire game or did you try to take off? Early? It, was only, it was only an hour and a half. And then I walked back with the crowd, the people on the way back. It was crazy. Do any of it. do any of the uh, European football fans recognize American football player Maurice Jones Drew? Well, they know me as a British TV star, uh, MJD. <laughs> so uh, I've been recognized a couple times, pretty crazy. But uh, yeah, it was fun. I enjoyed it. And, and the reason you say it is because you're doing stuff for what one of the British uh, networks yeah, over there. Their channel is called Channel Five. Uh, I, I we uh, host a Monday night show for them every Monday night. People stay up till 3, 4 a.m. watching the game. The game doesn't start till 1.30 or 1.25 or whenever, you know. Right. It's bananas. It's, it's, it's literally bananas. You, you know, you know, it. I was talking to uh, Daniel Jeremiah yesterday, and he filled in for you with, uh, with Matt Money Smith. So maybe you might have got Bigfooted. Oh, maybe no. the backup team's pretty good <laughs> with Money and, and DJ. No, I mean, the whole time they were talking trash about me, hoping if I would stay up. And I stayed up till like 6 a.m. And then woke up at 8 to go to a thing at 9. I actually did the International uh, Combine uh, yesterday, which was – it was crazy to see people from Africa, Japan, Germany, France, all competing and doing football drills. It was insane. So um, the, the International Combine was held right there in London. Did you – see yeah. anybody from an athletic perspective that looked like an NFL player? Oh, multiple guys. I mean, they had the body types. They didn't have the skill set because they haven't been coached. Um, a lot of the guys, when you talk to them, they didn't, you know how they, they didn't have specific trainers like we would have to train them and get them ready. They trained on their own. Like one guy was like, dude, I would just, I, I'm used to playing rugby. So I just did my rugby lifts and I did my rugby workouts and I've never did any of these drills. I'm just doing them for the first time. Wow. I was like, God, like, no wonder, you know, right, um, right. but there was a couple guys. There's a, there's a Japanese receiver that I thought was really good. I got, I can't wait to Scott Paoli was here. Um, and then there's a couple other people from the international, uh, the head of like the league division that I want to talk to about, but there's some guys, but there's some really good players there. Was the Japanese guy like a, like a little slot dude or was he big? Yeah, and he's he like can... 5'11", 185, okay. but he was like quick, like, and he got it out of his brakes really well. Um, I think they were looking, I think from the standpoint of what he's used to doing, he used to be, he's like, I guess he played in the Germany league and he's like an outside receiver. He's like one of their bigger receivers, but I was like, that doesn't mean that he can't play in the slot in the right. NFL, right? Like he had great hands, soft hands, great routes. Um, so I can't wait to talk to him about him. And there's a couple of other guys too, some linemen that were, I mean, they had like dudes that weigh like 330 pounds, six, seven, six, six, big dudes moving. It, it was insane. So it was nice to see. And there was a lot of rugby players, um, guys with like bigger lower bodies that you could see like linebacker, running back type guys. So it was good to see. So they had some stand-up DNs there. It was bananas. They're going to find like the uh, the next Francis Ngannou, you know, the uh, UFC heavyweight champion who's just a freak athletically. I can well, only imagine what he'd be like as a stand-up well, outside yeah. linebacker. I mean, you got to think of Jordan Mailata from the Philadelphia Eagles, mm -hmm. right? He couldn't play rugby anymore in Australia because he was too big. So they Dude. brought him over here. They teach him how to play left tackle, and he's one of the better left tackles in the game right now. Just got paid. No, you're right. You're yeah. right. So, so, all right, so you've done 
the International Combine. You went to uh, the game on Sunday. You've been working a little bit. You went to your first uh, soccer game. And then tonight, we're taping this at uh, 9.42 Pacific time, uh, almost 1 uh, Eastern time. And it's what, almost 6 p.m. there in London? Yeah, almost 6 p.m. here, yes. Okay. And you have a big dinner date tonight. Where, who I, have are you a dinner, I have a dinner with uh, the commissioner, Roger Goodell, tonight, which is awesome. I got to leave here. I got to be out of here by 7. So I got to go put on a nice little suit and get ready for that and shower up and stuff. And I've been I've been working, Dan. This ain't no, this just ain't no trip where you chilling. You know, I, I got to go put in some work here. This is a business sure trip. I, rub, I got to make sure I rub elbows with the commissioner so I can keep my job. You know what I'm saying? Well, the good news is there's absolutely nothing to talk about with the commissioner because nothing's been going on at all. Yeah, it's it's the quietest it's ever been in the National Football League. So besides, you know, some great games on Monday and Sunday. So do you bring that up or do you let somebody else at dinner bring that up? Like how, how long into dinner do you wait until you say, so what do you think about Gruden, man? What an asshole. Yeah, I, I think uh, if I was much closer with Roger, I would, I would definitely bring it up, but – you know, I think we all know what it is. Um, I think we, you know, a lot. I guess we're going to talk about it, and I'll tell you my piece on it. Am I shocked that that there's people like that in the National Football League? No, no way. Come on, like I'm not. I I, I played there. I I you can. I knew there was guys in the locker room like that. I knew there were coaches like that. I mean, from all walks of life, all races were like that. It is just it's just how it is. You you. You learn to kind of let the noise go and play with it. Now, I didn't know that there were coaches that weren't smart enough not to put it in work emails, right? <laughs> like, like if you're going to do it, you don't do it in a work email, right? Um, but I think Ryan Clark said it best that, like, it's not it's not even about being smart enough. I said that he felt that he was untouchable. He felt like he was so privileged that he could do this in a work email, send it to a team president, the team president send him back another one and go back and forth. That's where it gets – you know, frustrating. And then it also shows you why the NFL is, 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 is struggling and is has constantly struggled with minorities and the reason certain coaches haven't been hired like Eric Bieniemy. Um, even though your track record says success, you haven't been hired because there's people running these organizations that feel that way. Right. So it's one of those things where it's just like, are we, are we, are we going to face this? Right. And be like, all right, this is what it is. And then when we find other emails in the 650, other than these eight or seven or eight emails that Gruden sent, are we going to like hold these people accountable? Or are we going to just sweep it under the rug? I think that's, that's what it comes down to. And so for me, it's uh, this, this guy in the background, like closing doors and stuff. Like you can't see one camera. It's so funny. <laughs> it's all right. We're just going to do audio for this one. Yeah. <laughs> but, close on. Yeah. But, um, but no, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, it's just like, we've known, I've known this for a long time. A lot of players have known this for a long time. Now it's out in the open. How are, you know, and there's been players and there've been people that spoke on it. How are you going to address it? You know? And I think that that's going to be the big deal. And you see a lot of people at NFL network that are talking about it. A lot of people at ESPN, CBS, Fox are like, okay, this had nothing to do with John Gruden. Why is he getting fired? Right. This has everything to do with, the owner for the uh, the Washington football team and his organization. What are you going to do with them? And then anyone else that's been involved in that, are you going to, you know, take them out as well? So we'll see. But am I surprised? No. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's so many layers to this. You brought it up at the tail end there. You know, these emails were discovered because they were part of the Washington football team 
uh, investigation into workplace misconduct. And clearly somebody in the NFL did not want Gruden to be around because getting these emails, whoever released them had, had an ax to grind and you knew what, with the tone and tenor of the emails. And the interesting thing to me, and you brought this up earlier, and I've talked to a couple of people that have brought this up is Gruden, not a big emailer, right? So he, he, I think, you know how sometimes you can text two emails. So I, I think all this stuff in his mind may have been like, Oh, I'm just texting my, my buddies. Certainly not that that makes it okay with what he said in those emails. So but he's sending it to their, the team emails. No, like I think it's a personal email. Like clearly, clearly with, with Bruce Allen. But the interesting thing to me is we we've only heard what Gruden said. We haven't heard the responses from Bruce Allen or these prominent business leaders in Tampa. We heard the one thing that Bruce Allen said about Brian Glazer, the owner of the bucks um, that he might, you know, take, uh, take him up on, on Gruden's offer there. But uh He's he's been pulled out of the Ring of Honor in Tampa. He's been fired. He's cost himself more than sixty million in remaining salary, and, and he's never going to work again uh, in football, in in my mind. Um, and now I don't know if you saw this this morning. Adam Schefter's gotten caught up in this because somebody released an email that he sent to Bruce Allen. It was a an article that Schefter was getting ready to write about the lockout and. He basically sent a draft of the article before it was published to Bruce Allen, asking him if there was any additional details that needed to be added. And he jokingly said, thank you, Mr. Editor. And now everybody's talking about journalistic ethics. And listen, uh, that, OK, so let me answer that. Uh, that happens a lot. Um, that's I remember I was holding out in 2012 and I remember Adam Schefter wrote a report like an article on me. Mm-hmm. And before he sent it out, he sent it to my agent and I to make sure that from my standpoint, these were the facts that he wrote. He got my quotes down right. Right. Um, I think when you have, especially when you're talking about the lockout in that situation and you have these, these um, contacts, you're going right. to go out to make sure that the information that you're putting out there is what, or the quotes or whatever you're getting, that information is coming from that source. That's right. Right. Sometimes we say things, sometimes I may say things that I don't want put out in writing. And so I may say, you got to take that out or you got to fix this. You got to fix that. I'm not too concerned with Adam Schefter and that, if that's a, that's not even an issue, even if it's, that's like, to me, that's real journalism, right? I'm not going to just, you don't, you're not supposed to, if you have a confident um, informant, right? If you're the, if you're the FBI, okay. And you have a, a CI, you're not going to be like, Oh yeah, this is our CI right here. He's the one that snitched on you. Cause you know, that dude's going to end up missing. He's, he ain't going to be around too much longer that person. Right. So you got to make sure like everything is right before you, you put all your eggs in one basket, or you show people. So I think that, I think that's what you're supposed to do. So, so in today's, uh, in today's like world, because of Instagram or Twitter and you can, you don't have to really read your stuff. It's all about clicks and you don't really go back and make sure everything's right. You're just putting it out to trying to be first. I appreciate Adam Schefter for at least going back and saying, Hey, is this at least with me? Hey, is this what you want me to say? Is this kind of, is this what you were thinking of? And either I have the right to say yes or no, and he can still send it out however he wants to, but at least he's given me the option to do that. And I think that's real journalism. Well, I, I understand when people look at it initially and they say, oh my gosh, he's sending it to an interview subject and telling him to edit the story. That's not really the case. What people forget about a guy like Adam Schefter 
he's a he's a breaking news broker, right? He's a broker of information. So he will call a coach or a GM or a player and he will give them information about something or somebody else. And in turn, they give him information. So right. the last thing that Schefter wants to do is to burn bridges and burn contacts and ruin relationships. He wasn't asking Bruce Allen to edit the story. He was simply saying in regards to the lockout of which you are much more knowledgeable and in tune with what's going on. Tell me if I've made any mistakes here. So exactly. I, I have a great amount of respect for Adam Schefter. He's, he's incredible at what he does. And I think that stinks that he kind of got roped into this whole thing. Um, I'm curious if I were at dinner tonight, here's what I would ask Roger Goodell in all seriousness, right? Hey, Raj, how does Jay Gruden, who was the head coach of the then Washington Redskins for six years, not get interviewed by your investigator in this investigation. How is that even possible? And that's come out, not in, not talked to. And oh, by the way, how is there not any type of written report by the investigator that you hired in this investigation? And oh, by the way, how is there any emails that have Dan Snyder's name on them that have not been released? So just so you know, in case you're looking for questions to throw out there to Roger Goodell, those are the three that I would ask tonight. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna sit back and enjoy whatever food we're eating. I won't be asking many questions. I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, and I, and I listen. This other thing, like, this is what we fail to realize. That that would be like, let's say, let's say, if you were my boss, Dan, mm -hmm. and we we work for a company, and someone goes, Maurice, you need to investigate your boss, Dan. You need to figure out everything that's going on and you need to have all these things going on. And then you need to report back to the other bosses. Okay. <laughs> a little, a little weird. You're saying, right? Like, Oh, I, I'll, I'll do it. Right. And I'm not taking anything off of, um, uh, Roger Goodell because that's his job, right? His job is to commission the league. His job is to keep the league intact and have rules and enforce rules and all those different things. Um, but it's funny to hear people talk about that without being in those shoes to say what you would do if you weren't in those shoes. Right. And, and I haven't, I haven't been in those shoes and that's kind of how I operate. Like I put myself in those positions and sometimes it's just like, just like, yeah, if I was there, like, that'd be like, Hey Maurice, you, you like, you need to go figure out you're a player for the Jags. Why did urban leave did not be on the team? Why wasn't he with the team on the plane? <laughs> Trevor Lawrence, you need to go investigate what Urban was doing. That's what you're asking someone to do. And so I think those are those are tough conversations to have. Yes, they need to be had, but but also like that dude pays your he pays your salary. Yeah. Well, here's here's the problem. When the NFL hires the independent investigator and they're reporting to the NFL about one of the 32 owners. There needs to be a true independent investigation into what's gone on. And, and I think Albert Breer actually said it best in a tweet. What we've seen here in the last couple of days with what's going on with, with Gruden is the difference between the people, even though Gruden had a $100 million contract, the difference in the people you know, who cashed the checks you know, and the difference in the people still, who signed the checks, yeah. right? That has another... Listen, is even though it's a month, like this is what people have to understand. Like, just because you're making a lot of money, if you're not signing those checks, you you're we're the same, right? That's right. All, ain't no different. No, you're 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 100 right. 
Um, all right, listen, I, w- I do want a full report uh, after after dinner, but I, I understand you. you'll be in a tough spot. Um, so I'll let's talk. A text message. If it comes up, I'll send you a text. Like Dan, they're talking about. <laughs> uh, Lamar, man, Lamar was was magical leading the Ravens to that uh, comeback win in overtime, and that was the big question, right, MJD, about Lamar for the last no, few years. What question hey, was it? The question what was question? this: If they're down by by a couple of touchdowns in the fourth quarter. And Lamar needs to throw to come back to win because they're not running the ball effectively. Can they do that? Okay, and- so let me give you some inside info. Go. There, here's some inside. I have a good friend that works the special teams coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. His name is Chris Horton. I like Chris Horton. He used to play for yeah. my skins he back in the day. He played for the skins back in the day when they were the skins and not the football team. Um, he told me two years ago that Lamar could do this, that they just weren't calling those type of plays for him. And they didn't really have the pieces outside for him to do that. Right. And that they were building towards it. And I was like, come on, bro. Like I'm your dog. Like I'm not, I'm not one of these reporters, bro. It's all good. Like this ain't even for fantasy. This is just strictly like for like what's going on. Like Lamar was awesome at Louisville and all of a sudden he can't throw here. Like what's the deal? He's like, no, he could throw. He was like, but you got to remember at Louisville, they had a ton of players too. Like it wasn't just, but they had other weapons that got drafted and guys that were doing good things. Lamar was the, the focal point of it, but that's what it was. And so I think that they made a, a, a more conscious effort this offseason to get pieces for him to do that with, right? Um, you see Hollywood Brown has played much better than he's played since he's been in the National Football League. Sammy Watkins, that piece really is kind of very similar to the Stefan Diggs piece in Buffalo where you add Stefan Diggs and all of a sudden Josh Allen goes back to like, he's going to be this well. No, it's just because you added another weapon there for him that he can count on when he gets in trouble. Sammy Watkins is that guy. I think drafting Rashad Bateman is another guy that helps, but it puts different guys in different places. So you can't just key on Hollywood Brown all the time on the deep route because Sammy Watkins can go deep now. It opens up everything for Mark Andrews who had a huge game, right? And so now the defense just can't crowd two guys. They got to worry about three and four different guys that can be out on the routes. And then you have other receivers that are just making plays for them. So I think they, they added some, some pieces to help and they're calling those plays. And to be honest, the tackles, both tackles have played much better than they did week one against the, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Las Oakland Raiders. That is um, they're playing much better. They're protecting. Uh, they're giving them more time. They're picking up blitzes. I mean, it was it was a really good game. Now, I'm going to say this because I'm in like seven fantasy leagues, right? And in, in four of them, I had – one of them I had Lamar. Three of them I was going against Lamar. Um, I was happy to lose the one that I had Lamar in to win the other three, and I thought that was going to happen. But after this monstrous game, it flipped on me. I lost the three, and I won the one that I wasn't supposed to. Um, but that's what, that's what Lamar is. You can see that, like – and he's going to continue to grow to get better. And on top of that, Dan, think of this. Like, he's in a contract year. And he's seeing guys getting paid a quarter of a billion dollars, a half a billion dollars, right? All of a sudden, it was, can he beat Patrick Mahomes? Can he do this? Can... He's done all that now. So the contract that comes with Lamar Jackson is going to be, you know, up there. He's going to be the $300, $400 million guy. Well, he'll be, if not the highest paid, one of the top two or three. Let me ask you this, though, MJD. Would you do what he's doing right now without a real NFL agent? In terms of like, I know they're not negotiating the deal because he said he doesn't want to negotiate during the season, but why, why would you not pay the 2 or 3% and, and bring in a skilled negotiator? So this is the thing. I mean, this is something that a lot of players have done. I, don't, I disagree with it. 
I disagree with it wholeheartedly. I think not a lot have done. Some have done. Not a lot. A lot lot more than you think have done it. It's it's not some. It's more than five for sure. Um, more. It's almost. I think it's above ten. Guys have tried to negotiate their own deals, and and the NFLPA will help out in those situations. But when you're talking about Lamar, it's easy. You don't have to like. I so I'll say this. I think everyone needs an agent. I think everyone needs legal counsel to help them. Who cares what two and three percent is? That's that's the part of doing business in the TV industry, in our industry. What is your payment to your agent, Dan? Ten percent, man. Exactly. It's crazy. Ten percent on way less money than what right. these dudes are making, right? So if you're that cheap, then then you deserve to get burned. But in my in this situation, when you're talking about them, you can literally copy these other deals, right? And and like go down and say this is exactly what I'm looking for, right? Like. These other deals are kind of, they're kind of in place, but I, I truly believe that he, he needs an agent for two reasons. You need someone to argue on your behalf always when the thing, when the time gets tough, you need someone to be able to be in there and fight those fights for you. And two, they guide you, right? They help you through different things in the business where they teach you. When I signed with my agent, he was working for a law firm that, that, that had Oprah Winfrey. And I was like, well, shoot, if you can help, if y'all can do Oprah's troubles, you can definitely do mine. My troubles ain't that big. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. so I'm going to go with you because of Oprah. Now he's left that law firm and he's gone to, uh, to, on his own, but still I have my uh, estate plan through that law firm. Um, and another one, I have different like uh, contracts up, like uh, the beneficiaries and all those different things that we do. I forget all of them, but like, sure, but they help you with investing and financial planning and all that stuff. Well, right? I have a different, I have a different financial advisor for that. I think. You, but did, sure did you find those guys through your agent? A lot of times no, they're the separately. ones who direct you down the bed. I found mine separately. Okay. Um, but, but even then, like the, your agent helps you throughout the process. Now I know that it's the 80, 20 rule. There's 80% that are really good. 20% that are kind of iffy, but that's on you to do your due diligence and figure out, and you have to use the NFL PA. You need to use the NFL They'll do background checks on all these guys to help you because Lamar, you're about to walk into three, $400 million, right? You need to be guided. It, like, I don't care. And this is what I tell people. My mom worked really hard, really hard as a person, single parent, did everything she could to help us. And the most she made in a year might've been like 80,000 to a hundred thousand. Okay. Right. When I got drafted, I was a millionaire like that. Boom. No one in my family had made that much money. So there's no one that can help you that you grew up with, right? You have to be able to trust. Your mom can't help you. Your mom, when I signed my second deal and my mom saw that, she was like, bro, like, okay, we need to like, just take all this and put it in a bank and just let it, <laughs> like, she didn't know what to do, right? Like right. there's not many people that we grew up with can handle that amount of money because yeah, you may be around guys that have made a million dollars in cash or maybe you've been around people that have, you know, made a couple hundred thousand in their lifetime you're about to stroke nine figures. Like that ain't, that's no money to play with. Well, you, you, yeah, I just, I don't know, man. I just think, I know you can take somebody else's contract and and copy it, but Oh, by the way, you still need, and the PA has access to those deals, but. I think the PA helps out too, Dan. The PA has a negotiator that'll help out and talk with you through it as well. I just think it's a little short-sighted and I hope for his sake and for his family's sake that he, uh, he ends up getting some guidance there. Um, so you go from Lamar to Josh Allen and the bills, they get that signature win over the chiefs. And Oh, by the way, Allen has some signature moments like that fourth quarter hurdle to pick up the first down. He has reinserted himself into the MVP conversation. Once again, 
I think Emmanuel Sanders has been great for that offense. He now has two games with two touchdowns this season. Um, they have the number one scoring offense, obviously, averaging 34 points per game, and the number one scoring defense, giving up less than 13 points per game. A lot of people in JD have talked about the the scoring differential with them. They've scored 106 more points than their opponents, but here's the deal. They haven't played people. Yeah, they played the Dolphins and the Texans, who they've beaten by a combined 75 to nothing. I think the Bills are legit, but that that is an overblown and overrated stat in terms of point differential. Well, I also think that they they played a Kansas City Chiefs team that was pretty good, and they got after them. I mean, you 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 have to play who's on your schedule, and I get that. But when you do play these tough teams, they rose to the challenge. I think the Chiefs, uh, and I think we'll talk about them later. They're they're not the same team that we they once were, for whatever reason that that is. Um, but to me, Buffalo is they. I'm still concerned that you're running Josh Allen and he's worth 250 million. I'm still concerned about that because someone's going to catch him. And that's going to be the that's going to be a problem when someone catches him. But he's been getting smarter MJD in the way that he chooses to run. He has matter. been getting down a lot more. It doesn't when he was running on the red zone and he drops his shoulder and he's trying to run through guys, yeah. someone's going to catch him. And that's the only thing that I'm concerned about when you talk about the Buffalo Bills. I think their defense is lights out. They have eight rushers. They have eight uh, eight man rotation, which is insane. Sick. And they have dudes they don't even play that can get out there and get you sacks. Right? Linebackers are playing well. Corners are playing lights out. Safety. They they have a great defense. Offensively, they can run the ball. They can throw the ball. They can do some really good things. Excited about that. But you just have to be careful how you use your quarterback. It's funny if you look at look at the Ravens and how they've slowed. They backed off of Lamar a lot over the last year. He's throwing the ball a lot more. He's not running it. Not a lot of design runs. Um, they do do their fourth down conversions with them, but that's every once in a blue moon. It's not every red zone. You go down there and you see them try to run with Josh Allen. So um, I, I just think that'd be my only concern. But right now the Buffalo Bills are up top, are one of the top teams in AFC, probably behind the Chargers per se. I, I don't know. I, I, I want to see the Chargers and the Bills. I want to see the Bills or the Browns and the Bills play, see how that matchup looks. But um, I, I think this is going to be a really – the AFC is going to be really tough to break. Dude, it's they are so strong. And I, I absolutely love this Bills defense on every single level. You know, you start in the back end, and obviously Tredavious White, but then you got Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer at safety. You got Tremaine Edmonds and A.J. Klein. They're going to be getting Matt Milano back. He's been out for a minute. And then up front, you talked about that rotation with – with Hughes and, and Ed Oliver, and then they have the rookies, Greg Rousseau, coming off the edge, and, yeah. and Boogie Basham starting to come into his own a little bit. I mean, they are stout on defense. You still got star Lutalele that still yeah. comes in and rotates in. Like, they have first-rounder after first-rounder after first-rounder after first-rounder coming in on that defensive line. I want to say there was a – they showed it on the game. Uh, Ed Oliver has played the most snaps, percentage of snaps. And that snap, you know how many percentage of the snaps he's played this season? It's like 55, 60%. 55%. Yeah. He's yeah. only he's barely playing over half the snaps. You talk about fresh. Well, you talk about first-round picks, right? Everybody always talks about Washington's first-round picks on, on the defensive line. They're not performing. These guys are performing. And here's the crazy thing, MJD. Buffalo has the second easiest schedule in the NFL the rest of the way, right? So they have Tennessee coming up, okay? And then they have... Miami, Jacksonville, and the Jets. And then it gets a little more difficult with Indianapolis and New Orleans and New England. 
and then they have a tough run with the Bucks uh, and and the Panthers. But then they wrap things up at the end of the year with Atlanta and the Jets, right? So they they're they're gonna roll. I mean, they could fall asleep and still win eleven games this year. Like no. that's how, that's how good they are with this schedule. Yeah, I mean, and it happens. I mean, that's kind of the the, the way that the, the you're depending on who you play and all those different things, but. We'll see, man. They're staying healthy. They're playing well. Like I, I'm excited to see how they kind of groove. Uh, talk to Stefan Diggs this summer. He was really excited at kind of what they had going on and how they were going to try to fig- figure out the running game. Zach Moss is running well. Yeah. Devin Singletary is running well. Then Dawson Knox is coming in, being a part of this thing now. Like they they have some weapons there. It's, it's going like I said, the 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 addition of Emmanuel Sanders was is bigger than what, what people think. It was again. It puts it puts everyone back in, in their place again. Emmanuel Sanders is the number two who can beat number one guys. You have Cole Beasley in the slot. You have you put Gabriel Davis, who is it was your second guy. Now he drops to your fourth guy, right? And then you have Dawson Knox. And all of a sudden, you have all these talent all over the field ready to go. Yeah, I think the difference between, say, the Bills and Kansas City right now is the Buffalo has invested in that defense since 2019, just loading up. But they're not going to be able to do that anymore. Well, be- and that's the key. What do you mean they're not going to be able to do that anymore? Why can't they? Why can't they invest in the defense like drafting? You're saying from a from he's a, coming up on track soon. What's uh, that? From a money standpoint, Stephon Diggs. Oh, I got you. I got is, you. Stephon Diggs is coming up on. He's going to need a new deal. Um, you're going to have to pay Edmonds some more money, right? All right, but they can still out. draft guys. Like they've drafted guys who have produced and they've signed. Well, they have, but you're gonna have to pay some of these guys. And the problem is you just gave your quarterback 250 million. So you're right. Like, their window no- is not is their their window is now, right? They need to win yeah. now. You gotta and, win today. And we've seen what's happened with say a team like Kansas City, who they had just beaten. Like that defense has gotten so stinky that Patrick Mahomes and the offense are no longer a strong enough deodorant. They can't stop the run and force you know, obvious third and long passing situation. So they're stuck in their base defense and they're getting toasted on the back end. They can't get to the quarterback despite having the eighth highest blitz rate in the NFL. And their, their linebackers are getting a question. Why Talk are you to blitzing me. when you have Frank Clark and Chris Jones? Well, Frank Clark and Chris Jones are the only two guys on that team that have over 10 pressures this year. They're the only guys that can get to the quarterback and they haven't been doing it enough. That's a problem. It is. It's a huge problem. But here's the thing. Let me ask you this, MJD. When you look at Kansas City, their schedule, and this matters, okay? They faced the four best teams in the AFC. They, they yeah. played the Browns, the Ravens, the Chargers, and the Bills. They've only beaten the Browns. Good teams beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. Great teams do more. And so far, the, the Chiefs didn't have it. You know, I look at them, hey, they're still a playoff team. But in my mind, what I've seen through five games, they're, they're not a Super Bowl team until they upgrade that defense. It's, I, I think two things. Uh, the defense is a for sure an issue, but Mahomes isn't playing well either. Mahomes is turning the ball over. He threw He's a being a little six. more risky. Yeah, you can't do that. When your defense is bad, you can't strike quick anymore. You have to, you have to give them rest. You have to slow the game down. you got to be able to be efficient. Right, all this fourth down, scramble around, find Travis Kelsey, that doesn't work anymore. People are playing, they're waiting on that. And people are sitting on that, as you can see, in both the Chargers game and this uh, Bills game. There, People are waiting for you to do that, right? So it took, it took the league a little longer than we thought to adjust to this Chiefs offense. 
but now they've adjusted. And now the question is, can the Chiefs make adjustments on their have on the, on their side and get going again? Because right now it's not looking good. You three turnovers. We had three picks against the Bills. Yeah, I believe so. That's that. When has that ever happened? Well, he's just taking. I feel like what's happening is you're seeing a little more of what people were concerned about at Texas Tech, right? It was this risk taker. It was this gunslinger. It was this Farvian mentality that I can do whatever I need to do when I need to do it. And it's worked for so long for him. But when he sees the defense isn't going to get a stop, he feels additional pressure to make a play, right? And that's what's happening with Patrick Mahomes right now. He's still great, but he can't overcome that defense. Yeah, no, it's it's it's, it's going to get ugly, man. It's it's to me when you look at this is what I, this is the problem, and I've said this before, and people, you know, I had to answer this question um, when I was getting interviewed from the international team. I don't care who you pay. I don't, but once you pay a position, that position better be able to, like we talked about, stinky. You better be able to cover up a lot of stuff because we don't have money to pay other people, right? So if I pay you $500 million and I pay Travis Kelsey money, and I pay Tyreek Hill money, and then I pay Chris Jones money, I have Frank Clark and then Tyron Matthew, I can't pay anyone else. So you guys have to cover up all the stuff going on. Needless to say, we just paid uh, the left tackle um, from Baltimore. They just graded for You just gave him a bunch Orlando of money. Brown. You gave Joe Tooney a bunch of money. Right. Right. You, you, you're spending money. But they're not covering things up the way you can't, right? You don't have enough pass rushers. Your linebackers aren't getting paid, so they're kind of these guys running around right now. And then you have Sorensen covering everyone and their mom out of the <laughs> backfield or at tight end. He's all over the place. He doesn't know what he's doing. So it's just like they have so much trying to – they're trying to do so much to cover up that guys are getting put out of position, right? Mahomes, is the, the, the initial reads aren't there. He's scrambling around. Right. Tyree Hill's not getting open like he was against the Eagles. Right. Like all these things are different when you're playing really good teams. They know how to cover. They know how to rush. They know they, they do it as a group. They don't do it as single as individuals, which I think the Chiefs are being individuals now, not as a team. And that's why they lost to a team in the Buffalo Bills. Well, and Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, obviously on uh, on injured reserve now. Three weeks, right. What's that? He's out for three weeks. Right. Yeah, at least. So. We're going to see how that plays out. I mean, that's that's a story to watch. I, I'm not I'm not ready to bury them just yet. I just yeah, think right. that they're not maybe the best team in the AFC like we thought they might have been before the season started. MJD, quick break now. Uh, I want to tell you about one of my favorites, Viore. You know it if you've listened before. This is performance apparel that works for you while you're working out. And it looks good. Too. I mean, it looks awesome. What does Deion say? Look good, feel good, feel good, play good. That's Viore. When you they, play they, good, they pay good. And they pay good, too. So you wherever you are, you just might get paid, as MJD says. They've been with me since I launched the Helipod. I absolutely love the gear. My favorite piece of their apparel, the core shorts with the built-in liner. Uh, They have the joggers for men and women, hoodies for both as well. Great performance tees. I wear it all the time. MJD wearing it nonstop. Check them out. It's vioriclothing.com slash helipod. That's V-U-O-R-I clothing.com slash helipod for 20% off your first order on me today. Just use the promo code helipod. 
Also want to tell you about our friends at Greens Plus, a leader since 1989, known for creating the first ever blended green superfood powder and the first company to infuse green superfoods into a bar. That was brilliant. Greens Plus bars and powder taste great and they're the most effective way to improve your immunity, detox your body, boost your energy, and get that nutritional insurance that your body needs from organic, gluten-free, premium green superfoods. You can get them at Whole Foods, you can buy them at Amazon, or if you're smart, go to greensplus.com, you're gonna get free shipping, and you're gonna get 20% off with the promo code HELLI. That's H-E-L-L-I-E. Greensplus.com, 20% off. Uh, my son loves the vanilla protein powder. He's putting that in everything. He's like eighth grade, he's 14, he's trying to grow. I think he's gonna make him big and strong. And uh, so far, so good. I like the wild berry superfood powder. I put that in with my uh, smoothies, tastes great. And the natural energy bars has a nice, clean, natural taste. So those are my favorites. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, back to the pod. It is pick time with MJD, who is in London. Uh, he is about an hour away from getting ready to go to dinner with the commissioner. Uh, that, that's how big Maurice Jones-Drew is, former NFL rushing leader back in the day. That's how big I've gotten because of the unbelievable. Pod. It's unbelievable. Um, all right, before the picks, I left this off the notes that I sent you on purpose. I am hijacking this segment uh, from Good Morning Football, okay? They did a nice little segment. Uh, it was kind of an appreciation segment for Tom Brady. He's 44 years old. He's leading the league in passing yards, which is absolutely incredible um, at that age. So we're going to play this. What or who is older? Okay. It's going to be Tom Brady or somebody else or something. Okay. I got All you. right. Easy. Great segment on, on uh, good morning football by our friends. All right. What is older Tom Brady or the Walkman? You remember the Sony Walkman? Are you old enough to remember that? Yeah, I think, uh, Tom Brady should be older. Tom is older. Tom was born in 1977. The Sony Walkman came out in 1979. For those of you who are not old enough to remember, it was yellow and you stuck a cassette tape in there and you yeah. could walk around with it on your hip. Like and your headphones. Yes. And your headphones, right. You know, I had the hard wire in, of course. You didn't have the Bluetooth, but the Sony Walkman was the first kind of like headset, headphones, walk around uh, portable music. Badass. Yeah, Okay, Tom Brady. Who's older, Tom Brady or late night host? Since you are in London, I thought I'd throw James Corden in there. Who's older, Tom Brady or James Corden? Tom Brady. You are correct, sir. Tom Brady born in 77, Corden born in 78. Okay, here's a tough one. I used to live on these when I was a kid. What's older, Tom Brady or the Happy Meal? McDonald's Happy Meal. Oh, McDonald's Happy Meal is older. You are incorrect. The Happy Meal, born in 1979, Tom Brady, 77. Oh okay, God. last one here. Since Tom Brady plays in Florida, who's older? Florida Governor Ron DeSantis or Tom Brady? Ron DeSantis or Tom Brady? 
Oh, that's ah. I'm gonna go with uh, Tom in this one. I'm probably wrong, but I'll go with Tom. You are correct. God, you got three out of four right. Ron DeSantis just 43 years old, so the quarterback of his in-state Tampa Bay Buccaneers, older than the Florida governor, Ron oh DeSantis. God. Yeah. All right, pick time. You ready, bro? I'm ready. How have I? I've been. I've been actually killing it, bro. You've been doing well. Um, I'll be honest with you. <clears throat> going in, you were leading going into the last week. Sean O'Hara stepped in for you on last week's pod. So I'm going to save the tabulation because I don't want you to know until next week. And we're going to have, we're going to have. A, a well, I'll, I, I'll give you my picks from last week. I think I text them to you, but I'll text them to you from I think last you, week. I think you may have forgotten. So uh, okay. you, you can That's come in after the fact. Don't cheat. Don't cheat. I won't, I won't cheat at all. I have them, I already have them stored in my phone. Okay. Every week. All right. You ready for this week? Yeah, I'm ready. Um, because you're there and you're going to be at the Dolphins-Jags game, right? Yep. Okay. That's the second uh, London game of the year. The 1-4 Dolphins against the 0-5 Jags. It's the not battle for Florida, not being played in Florida. And these two teams, regulars in London, the Jags obviously seemingly there every year. This is their eighth London game. Uh, Miami playing in London for the fifth time. They both got whipped last week. The Jags by the Titans and Miami by Tampa. Uh, Dolphins favored by three. Tua supposed to be back. Um, I'm going with your Jags here. I just think they're not going to go winless. 20 straights enough. Urban's been the whipping boy for a while. He is. Nobody is happier on the planet Earth than Urban Meyer in regards to what happened to John Gruden. Right, because nobody's been talking about Urban Meyer. So Jags off the Schneid, they win at twenty to seventeen. Yeah, I'll, 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 um, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go against the Jags on this one. Wow, I'm gonna go against them. I, I think um, they're still defensively, they haven't been able to stop many people. Um, and I know offensively, the um, the Dolphins are haven't been playing that well, but they they can score. You know, and I think that's that's an issue. So uh, I'm going to go with the Dolphins on this one. Um, just on this podcast, I picked the Jags when everything else, but I want to go against you on one. <laughs> the one I want to go against you on. So if, either way, if I win, if they lose, I win. If they win, I win. It's all the same. That is wrong, dude. Um, okay, Raiders 3-2 and two at the Broncos 3-2. and two. I'm going to go with the Broncos. Broncos favored by three and a half. This is the first game without Gruden. That's going to be the big storyline. Rich Bisaccia, the special teams coordinator, now the that head coach. Nothing, that has nothing to do with anything. The, the problem is this, and this is why I'm going to go with the Broncos. I had to stop you there. It, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a domino effect, right? So who's a play caller for the Raiders? Um, Offensive play caller. Why am I blanking on their offensive coordinator right now? No, no, no. It was, it was Gruden. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So the offensive play caller is Greg Olson, a good friend of mine, but you have to get in a rhythm to call plays, right? You have to be, you, that's what the preseason is for is to get you in a rhythm to get ready for the season. All of a sudden you're going to have a guy calling plays that hasn't called plays in a couple of years, what, three, four years now. It's a good point. So that to me is going to, you're going to see some, he's going to struggle a little bit and it's not because he can't do it or he hasn't done it. It's because he's not in that rhythm. He hasn't gotten it yet. And I, and I, and I tell you that because, I remember I called plays for my son's team and it was my first game calling plays and I got in a rut. I didn't know what to call. Like, I didn't know we weren't running the ball. Well, I was like, Oh my God, like, what am I going to do? And my coach was like, bro, just calm down. Like go back to the basic stuff. And I went back to my basics and we ended up winning the game 37, 36 in OT, but that there was a good two or three quarters where I was struggling calling plays because we didn't have 
uh, I didn't have that rhythm. I didn't call the first game. I didn't call in the scrimmages. I didn't call. Now, after that one, I've been on a roll now, Dan. We've been we've been rolling people up a little bit. <laughs> we ain't scoring under 30, I promise you that. But um, it's it's hard. It's tough. And so I think that is going to be the biggest issue in the game. It has nothing to do with the players. has nothing to do with Gruden and the distraction. It's the fact that your special teams coach is now the head coach, which he's gonna, he can't do his full job, right? And now a guy who hasn't called plays in a couple of years and now have to call plays. That's going to be an issue. Man, I didn't think about the play calling aspect of this. I was thinking about it purely from an emotional standpoint. And I, I'm not going to change my pick. I picked the Raiders 27-24, but damn it, that makes a lot of sense, MJD. Yeah, you should have before you made your I pick. Know. I know. Well, you're too busy watching soccer games and getting ready for dinner with the commissioner, dude. Yeah. Um, okay, so – <laughs> you go on Broncos there. This is a great one, man. I cannot wait. Arizona undefeated at Cleveland three and two. Cleveland's minus three. So Cleveland favored by three at home, which as anybody who bets on games knows, right? That's essentially an even game because the home team gets a three-point advantage there. Browns put up 42 in that loss to the Chargers. In my mind, this is one of the deepest rosters in the NFL. They haven't lost back-to-back regular season games under Kevin Stefanski. The Browns are going to run, dude. They're going to try to control the clock. The Cards defense ranks 28th in the NFL against the run. The Browns, the top rushing team in the NFL. Of course, we've seen Arizona can beat good teams, and they have, right? They have Kyler Murray, and I think Kyler is is one of the best playmakers in the NFL. I just I like the Browns at home to really grind it out in a 31-27 win. So I'm, I'm going to pick the Browns too, but this is my concern. It has been my concern for a while now. Baker Mayfield isn't who we thought he was, right? He's not the guy we thought he was going to be. And he hasn't played as such. He's been a streaky player at best, where if he gets hot, the Browns are unstoppable. But as of late, he hasn't been hot, Dan. Like, he's been – how do we – we're up by one, okay, against the Chargers. And we're throwing the ball. Baker's not your best player on offense. Even though Odell may be your best player, your quarterback can't get him the ball in in these situations that you need him getting the ball in. So we need to go back to running the ball. I thought that was just not a good sequence at the end of the game to close the game out, right? Um, and they could have closed the game out because they were they, they, the Chargers couldn't stop them running the ball at all. But they kind of went back to like just ordinary run plays, no motions and things like that. I think they do bounce back this week. I think they beat the Cardinals because you talk about that running game. And I think they take the ball out of Baker's hands. I think they take the ball there. They put it into Kareem Hunt and uh, Nick Chubb's hands and they let them go and lead the way. Um, and somehow, some way, in order for the Browns to get to where they want to get to, because they have one of the more talented teams in the National Football League, they have to find a way to get Baker playing better, because right now he's not playing well at all. Well, I think, to your point, uh, the trust level there with Stefanski and Baker compared to what you see with the Chargers and Justin Herbert, very different. You know, they're going to go for it on fourth and five, fourth and seven, and on third and ten, the Browns are running the ball. And that's what you're alluding to. And it's, it's now I will say this, right? Like Odell hasn't been there for every game. They're not on the same page. Like, but it's Odell, not even that though. It's not Odell even has that. what two catches for 14 yards. You know, you don't have Jarvis, right? So, but it's not, but Dan, it's not even that to me. You know what it is to me? It's like if they're taking Odell away, get to your tight ends. If they're taking this guy, get, get to another guy. It's all about the, you, Odell doesn't have to touch the ball every play or every series, right? But right. if you if you're if you're going through your progressions and you're getting the ball out on time and early, Odell will touch the ball seventy percent of the time if you're doing right. it right. 
but he jumps around and skips around. And he, even he said, I'm not playing well. And I know that they scored 42 points and they didn't turn the ball over, but this is what I call playing well. In crucial situations, I need my star quarterback, my number one pick, my number one overall pick to make plays for me. Has he done that in crucial situations or do we lean on someone else to do it? That's that a great, is the, that's that's the, a great that's point. What, that's playing well to me. Anyone can play well when there's nothing on the line. Shit, I can put, I can put my son out there to go out there and play for the Browns. He'll be dicing people up. He may play quarterback. He'll be finding, getting the ball to people and everything. But guess what? When it's fourth quarter and we need a drive, we need a first down, and I need you to make a 10, 11-yard throw, that's the that's when good players play well. That's when great players play well. And he has to get on this, <clears throat> excuse me, the same page with Odell again. So Odell's numbers on the year, uh, nine catches for 124 yards. He's only played in three games. Um, and I, I agree with you about leaning on the tight ends. I mean, they have Austin Hooper. I love Harrison Bryant. Called a couple of his games in college. I mean, they have good playmakers at tight end. They have three of them. They have three of them. And David Njoku. No, you're right. You're, you're absolutely right. Austin Hooper. And then they have the young kid out of FAU. That's nice. Harrison Bryant. Yeah. yeah they got so, okay, so are you going with Cleveland there? Yeah, I'm going with Cleveland. All right, so we're both going with Cleveland um, to hand Arizona their first loss of the year. Chargers of Baltimore. Baltimore's favored by three. I, like I love Chargers. this game. I love the, the quarterbacks. You're going Chargers? I'm going to Chargers right now. Okay, I, I'm kind of riding with you, man. I just I feel like they've gone from a team that found ways to lose the last couple of years to they're just finding ways to win, and they've beaten good teams, right? The Browns and the Chiefs. Yeah. I think I, I I think I was a little concerned about Joe Lombardi being the OC for the Chargers. A little because when he was with the Lions, it wasn't that good. Um, he really didn't call plays in New Orleans. But I, I love the fact they have all these weapons. I love the fact that they can rotate their backs in and they can run with multiple backs. Mike Williams in, in a contract year is playing lights out. Keenan Allen, I mean, he's dropping passes but he's wide open all the time. They, they and he's going to get around. it together. He's, yeah, he's, he's, he'll be fine. And then you have Cook, who's playing really well right now. And then on top of that, your quarterback is lights out. I mean, he's putting the ball where it needs to be. He's finding the open guy on every play. Like, it's bananas to see that. He's reading coverage. He knows where he wants to go with the ball. They're playing, they're playing really well. And then defensively, they got stars on the defense. And they haven't even been with Kenneth Murray, who's been hurt, right? So they're they're going to get healthy and only get better. And to me, that's that is something. That, and they've played on the East Coast and they've won on the East Coast, so I, I think they can go and do that again. Yeah, I agree with you, man. Uh, everybody wants to talk about the West Coast teams going to the East Coast, but you're right; they've done it before. They'll do it again. 33-30, my final there. All right, Kansas City. They're two and three. They're going to right the ship to a certain extent at some point. They're taking on my Washington football team is two and three. This has the highest total of the week at 55 and a half. Kansas City's favored by seven. The reason it's the highest. Go ahead. Talk. Talk to me. Kansas City. Yeah. By how much? By, I mean, give me two touchdowns. I mean, this is the thing. I think it's going to be a high scoring game. I don't know what's going on with the Washington football team's defense right now. I don't know what's going on. Like, they're giving up points left and right. If you, I just saw the Falcons. I just saw Atlanta play, and Atlanta was solid. They didn't have their top two wide receivers, but they were good. But you gave up thirty points to them. Like, what's what's going on? Like, what is that? They can't all about? do MJD. They can't do anything. Like William Jackson and these additions they made uh, haven't really helped them. And that was a big free agent addiction addition coming over in the offseason. And 
he's he's best when he's playing man, but he's not playing man. And he's trying to figure out the system when they need to like cater the system to some of these guys. Up front, Chase Young just gets his first sack of the season. This vaunted defensive line is not changing games at all. And listen, the linebackers for Washington just aren't good. They're just not. Drafted the kid in the first round. He's not good. Jamin Davis? No, yeah. he hasn't. He hasn't done anything. I, I, he needs time. So, defensively, they've been bad. They haven't just been okay. They've been bad. And then offensively, listen, T- Taylor Heineke has been decent at times. He struggled at times, but they haven't been able to really get anything together for you know two games in a row. So I think. Hurt again. Yeah, and this that's an that's a major piece of this offense that hasn't been healthy for the vast majority of the season. You know, they kind of sent him out there. He lasted like 10 plays last game. I mean, they're going to get blasted. I have Kansas City winning by nine. I, they, they'll probably win by 19. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the Chiefs, too, just for two reasons. One, they got to bounce. They have to bounce back, right? And then, two, I just haven't seen anything from the football team. I haven't yeah. seen anything. No, I, like, I, I I've, seen your, I've seen Heineke scramble around and throw the ball and beat whoever, like the Giants. But, oh, you know what I mean? It's the Giants. Like, well, they're also they're also playing with a backup tight end. So, you know, without Curtis Samuel, without Logan Thomas, um, you're not seeing much on offense. Like you, you know how it works when you're preparing for an opposing defense during the week. There'll be one or two guys on that defense that you say, okay, we have to stay away from or find a way to slow down this guy. On offense right now for Washington, Terry McLaurin is the only dude, the no only dude that they have to. Game plan for defense. Kitchen has shown he's flashed, but he hasn't played like we thought he would. That's, That's well. he, you're right. You're right. You're right. He, he's shown. Still, I mean, you have O line issues. There's a lot of guys beat beat up. I I just think the Chiefs right the ship. I don't know defensively if they do it, but offensively it's going to be like that Philadelphia Eagles game after the last loss after they lost to the Chargers. Patrick Mahomes throw for five touchdowns. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of points scored. All right, last one, MJD. Then we'll let you go. Uh, Dallas four and one, favored by four in Foxborough, taking on the two and three Patriots. Dallas looks good. You know, as a Washington fan, it pains me to say, but like they, they look like a team that could be a Super Bowl contender in the NFC. I'm not saying they're going to take down the Bucs, but they're going to be there. They're going to be one of the top four teams at the end of the year. Offense has been productive. Defense is vastly improved. I mean, forcing all kinds of turnovers. Trayvon Diggs has been off the chain good. So uh, I, Let me say this real quick. Go ahead. How do you, when you know your team, your defense plays well in a certain system, how do you let the new coach go out and hire someone that doesn't run that system? This is the same players that they had with um, our old colleague. Mike Nolan. Mike Nolan. Yeah. The same players. It's pretty bizarre. It's crazy, right? And so how do you go out there and and allow this? I told people this, and I said this early in the year. I said, the fact they went out and got Dan Quinn, who ran the same system as Chris Richard, who runs the same system as Gus Bradley, all these people, and your team was top 10 in the league, top five in the league on defense, they're going to be, they're going to go back to being really good. And then Trayvon Diggs has a pick in almost what, in every game this year? He's been unbelievable. And then on top of that, you let go of Jalen Smith, who you just paid. You let him go because you can't fight, you can't get him on the field. Like, we're, we're just too good at linebacker to get him on the field. That's so exactly what it was too. I mean, listen, he he wasn't playing like they expected him to play, but 
you know, this is a guy that they were, they paid 50 plus million dollars to, and they've drafted so well that, yeah, he, he can't play. It's wild. And so and, then you have, then we go to the offense, Dan, where you're running the ball well with two backs and Dax efficient. You can't, we're not talking about the Cowboys enough in the NFC, like you said, of being a contender. I think the NFC contenders are the Cardinals, the Rams, the Bucks, the Cowboys, the Packers. Maybe you could throw in another team here or there that's playing well, but. No, I think, I think you got it, man. The NFC in terms of quality depth in my mind is definitely the, the, stepsister or stepbrother to the AFC at this point. I mean, the Cardinals, I don't know if you said the Cardinals. I did. I said the, the Rams, the Cardinals, the Bucks, Cowboys. Uh, and, and Packers. That's it. Packers. No, there's another team I said. No, Cowboys. you can't put the Bears in there. You can't put Carolina in there. I mean, unless you're going to put like a team with a losing record right now, like, uh, like who, say San Francisco is going to get better. Who, who Seattle. I said the Cowboys. Not Seattle. I was thinking of maybe the Panthers, maybe. Yeah, but I don't think I don't think they're. I think you got the four, or I think that's it. Five. And it should be five. We'll we will uh, we'll focus on the NFC a little bit next week. We're kind of AFC heavy today. I have your. Did you you obviously pick the Cowboys there, MJD? Yeah, I'm picking the Cowboys, man. All right, all right, all right buddy. You don't have to yell. Jeez. Well, I'm just saying I, I can't go against a team that's rushing the ball 200 times, 200 yards in a game, like multiple times. Can't go against them. That's tough to stop anytime. I and agree. their offensive line's healthy, and they're playing well. They've. They're good. They're legit. And I love Dak. And it's funny, you play the game too, and we'll do this at some point. Um, you know, who would you rather, right? Dak or Kyler, Dak or Justin Herbert. There's not many guys, right, in the NFL that you're taking over Dak right now. He's just, he's smart. He's efficient. He's, I, I like the way he plays. My only concern with the Cowboys, Dan, is their center. That position is iffy. Well, they they've seemed to have fortified the vast majority of of the offensive line. Listen, three years ago they were the best offensive line in football, hands down, right? Yes. And and they found a way to kind of come back and and restock and retool and you know center position. They had the strongest center in the NFL forever, and now it's it's who it's it's not. Tyler Baden's right. Yeah, it's not right now. Yeah, yeah. That's true. That's the only that's the only thing I see. On the Cowboys at the center position, if you have a team, i.e. the Rams, who has a good defensive tackle that you can single up on the center, right? That's going to be tough. Well, then you need some help from your guards, from Connor Williams and Zach Martin. Yeah, we've seen what the Connor Williams is able to do too. I'm just saying. But hey, hey, hey what are you? So, what are you going to get at dinner tonight? Are you going to get classic uh, English? Thirty minutes, and I have to shower and put on a suit. What are you going to eat? I don't know. I'll text you. All right, buddy. Hey, have a great time with the commissioner. Enjoy the uh, enjoy the scenery, and we'll uh, we'll see you soon, buddy. See you later, man. See you, bud.